0: Episode 78, HRT and Depression. More bad news about the impact of messing with women's hormones. Last week's podcast episode, New Study Finds All Forms of Hormonal Contraception Raise Breast Cancer Risk, highlighted the general principle that meddling with complex systems, including women's reproductive biology and the socio-cultural practices that have formed around its unique characteristics, will inevitably lead to negative consequences. These unforeseen side effects extended far beyond health issues like the increased risk of breast cancer into every aspect of human life. The introduction of hormone replacement therapy, or HRT, for the treatment of menopause-related symptoms didn't have the profound cultural, social, economic, political, and relational impact of the pill. Nonetheless, it too was aggressively marketed to both women and men as a tool for the control of an aspect of women's sexual biology that was socially constructed as troublesome and medically pathologized, namely, the physical and psychological transition from the reproductive to post-reproductive phase of life. Advertisements for HRT from the 1950s and 60s provide a window into a world of sexism that is jaw-droppingly blatant for today's microaggression-obsessed feminists. Why should a man have to put up with a woman going through the change of life when he can ask her doctor to make her pleasant to live with once again by putting her on a drug made from the urine of pregnant mares? And directly below that, in the post this podcast episode, I've reproduced a magazine ad for Premer and HRT which appeared throughout the 1950s and 60s it depicts a middle-aged couple on a boat and the headline is Husbands too like Premarin. Underneath it says The physician who puts a woman on Premarin when she is suffering in the menopause usually makes her pleasant to live with once again. It is no easy thing for a man to take the stings and barbs of business life than to come home to the turmoil of a woman going through the change of life if she is not on Premarin, that is. But have her begin estrogen replacement therapy with Premarin and it makes all the difference in the world. She experiences relief of physical. Physical distress and also that very real thing called a sense of well-being returns she is a happy woman again something for which husbands are grateful now husbands also shouldn't be expected to put up with their trophy wives getting old and wrinkly now, my second HRT example ad is another Premarin magazine ad from the 1960s, once again aimed at husbands, and it has a photo of a distinguished late middle-aged gent looking admiringly at his elegant, again, late middle-aged, but still very attractive wife, and the headline says, help keep her this way. And of course, husbands sure as hell shouldn't have to put up with grumpy wives who refuse to serve them and their dinner party guests. Now, after that, I've got my third menopause ad, this time a Mealprem advertisement from 1959. And this one depicts a happy, smiling, very well-dressed housewife who is smilingly serving food to two business-suited men. Even in the dying years of the 20th century, almost four decades after the pill catalyzed second-wave feminism, advertisements for HRT and medical publications were still shaping doctors' perceptions of menopause as disfiguring and destabilizing, and encouraging them to view themselves as the potential saviors of women's youthful attractiveness and social utility. Oh yeah, and their health and stuff like that. I've reproduced two ads for estrogen that appeared in various Australian and international medical journals. And these two ads each feature two famous paintings of women. In each of the ads, one painting is by Picasso, and it's in his typical grotesque style, in which the woman is depicted as chaotic and deranged. And then adjacent to that is another painting. In the first ad, it's Botticelli's Venus. And then in the second, it's a painting by Renoir. And the implication for the prescribing doctor is clear. Put the grotesque, chaotic, deranged woman on oestrogen, and suddenly she'll be back to being beautiful and desirable and socially acceptable. Both the public and the medical profession were assured that HRT would protect women against the ravages of ageing both inside and out, and it would keep them happy, cheerful and well-adjusted to their role in society. What a relief. But with the publication of results from the Women's Health Initiative Hormone Therapy trials in 2002, the bloom rapidly came off the HRT rose. The arm of the trial in which women who had not undergone a hysterectomy were randomized to receive either equine, that is horse-derived estrogen, plus a progestin, a synthetic progesterone, was halted early because more women in the combination HRT arm developed coronary heart disease, or CHD, breast cancer, stroke, and pulmonary embolism, or PE. These harms were not offset by the observed benefits, fewer cases of colorectal cancer and hip fracture. A quote from that study, absolute excess risks per 10,000 person years attributable to estrogen plus progestin were seven more CHD events, eight more strokes, eight more PEs, and eight more invasive breast cancers, while absolute risk reductions per 10,000 person years were six fewer colorectal cancers and five fewer hip fractures. The absolute excess risk of events included in the global index was 19 per 10,000 person years, end quote. And that quote is from the study, Risks and Benefits of Estrogen Plus Progestin in Healthy Postmenopausal Women, Principal Results from the Women's Health Initiative Randomized controlled Trial. While follow-up studies found that combination HRT did not decrease breast cancer mortality and that estrogen-only HRT in hysterectomized women was associated with decreased risk of breast cancer, many women remain leery of HRT despite enthusiastic advocacy by medical organizations and some women's health specialists, for example, Professor Susan Davis. HRT definitively reduces the hallmark vasomotor symptoms of menopause, that is hot flushes or flashes depending on which side of the pond you hail from, and night sweats, but it is also widely touted for a laundry list of other maladies that are more tenuously linked to menopause, including psychological symptoms. For example, the Endocrine Society, which bills itself as, quote, a global community of physicians and scientists dedicated to accelerating scientific breakthroughs and improving patient health and well-being, end quote, in its clinical practice guidelines for treatment of the symptoms of menopause, states that, quote, anxiety symptoms increase during the menopause transition and are associated with an increased likelihood of a major depressive disorder. ET, that stands for estrogen therapy, not extraterrestrials, may improve mild to moderate depressive symptoms during or shortly after the menopause transition, whereas antidepressant therapy remains appropriate treatment for major depression, end quote. And that is from Treatment of Symptoms of the Menopause and Endocrine Society Clinical Practice Guideline. Apropos of, nah, you know, nothing at all, here are the corporate liaison board members of the Endocrine Society. Abbott Diabetes Care, AbbVie, Amgen, Ascendis Pharma, AstraZeneca, Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals, Dexcom, HRA Pharma, Insulet Corporation, Ipsen Biopharmaceuticals, Lilly Diabetes, Medtronic Diabetes, Merck & Co, the Merck Pfizer Diabetes Collaboration, Novo Nordisk, Pfizer, Provention Bio, Recordati, SPA, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Sandol, Sanofi, Strongbridge Biopharma, Takeda Pharmaceutical, Ultragenix Pharmaceuticals, Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Viatris and Xeris Pharmaceuticals. Nothing to see here. However, a large, long-running Danish cohort study published late last year in JAMA Network Open has joined a rapidly growing body of real-world evidence that HRT increases menopausal women's risk of becoming depressed, and not just a little bit down in the dumps, but depressed to the point of being hospitalised. The Danes' highly centralised healthcare system allows them to essentially enrol their entire population into cohort studies. This is how they produced the research demonstrating a dramatic increase in the risk of being diagnosed with depression in women taking hormonal contraceptives, which I covered in a previous article. This study enrolled all women in Denmark from the day they turned 45 between the 1st of January 1995 and the 31st of December 2017, excluding those who had had their ovaries removed or been diagnosed with breast cancer or cancer in their reproductive organs before the age of 45 years. This left a total of 825,238 women who were followed up for an average of 11 years. The researchers identified all women who were diagnosed with depression, either as outpatients in an emergency department or a psychiatric ward or hospital after entering the study. They then compared the rates of depression diagnoses in women who took no hormonal therapy with those who had filled at least one prescription for systemic, that is oral or transdermal HRT, or local, that is intravaginal or intrauterine HRT. Despite being generally healthier and having substantially lower rates of prior depression, including postnatal depression diagnoses, women who took HRT were more likely to be diagnosed with depression than those who did not, especially in the first year after commencing treatment. In fact, the risk of a new diagnosis of depression more than doubled in the first 12 months of taking an HRT pill or patch containing estrogen alone or estrogen plus a progestin. Women aged under 50 at initiation of treatment with systemic HRT had a particularly elevated risk of becoming depressed. Local HRT, on the other hand, was not only not associated with depression risk in women younger than 54 years, it was associated with a lower risk of depression for those aged 54 or older. Just a side note, I often recommend local estrogen products such as Estriol creams for women who are experiencing vaginal dryness. This condition leads to painful sex, distressing urinary symptoms and vaginal itching, burning and even bleeding, all of which can bring down the mood of even the most cheerful women. Comparing their findings to other research on the relationship between depression and menopausal hormone therapy, the authors noted a study on female U.S. military veterans which found a 40% increase in suicide attempts and an almost two and a half fold increase in death by suicide in women taking HRT. Studies of Finnish and Canadian peri- and postmenopausal women have also found higher rates of depression in women using hormone therapy. Because menopause in itself is associated with an increased risk of depression, the Danish researchers used several approaches to address potential confounding, including comparing rates of depression before and after initiation of hormone therapy. They found that the incidence rate of depression was significantly lower in the year just before women commenced hormone therapy than in the prior two to three years, suggesting that it was the hormone therapy, rather than menopause itself, that brought on depression. Just as the oral contraceptive pill failed to deliver on the promise that by liberating women from the tyranny of their own fertility, it would usher them into a world of boundless opportunities for personal fulfilment. It turns out that meaningless sex with a procession of strangers and bullshit jobs aren't the path to nirvana. Who would have thunk it? The reality of HRT has not lived up to the marketing hype. A cynic might even argue that prescribing HRT to a woman maximizes her value to the pharmaceutical industry, you know, companies like the corporate liaison board members of the endocrine society, by increasing the likelihood of her being diagnosed with other druggable conditions such as depression. But we're not cynics, are we? So what's a hot and bothered menopausal woman to do if she's desperate for relief from unrelenting hot flushes and night sweats, but not keen on getting breast cancer or becoming depressed? she could do a lot worse than trying out the simple intervention trialed in the women's study for the alleviation of vasomotor symptoms known as WAVES. Just 12 weeks on a low-fat plant-based diet which included a half a cup or 86 grams of cooked soybeans daily reduced total hot flushes by 79 percent and moderate to severe hot flushes by 84 percent. Participants also lost an average of 3.5 kilos and reported improvements in psychosocial, physical, and sexual functioning. And not one of them ended up in a psychiatric ward or killing themselves. Well, that's a nice bonus, isn't it? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials, and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.